The Women's Fund for Scotland is Scotland's only dedicated fund for women and girls. I'm Susan Morrison and this is our podcast where we talk to inspiring women improving the lives of those women and girls today. This episode we're speaking to Kiro from Phoenix and she's telling us how they help women to rebuild their lives and rise from the ashes like the mythical bird itself. So first of all, Kiro, Phoenix or Phoenix? Well, both refer to the same being, so Phoenix. It's in Polish, the name is Phoenix, but it is this bird that actually, you know, um, grows from the ashes and undergoes transformations. And yeah, it's the same, same being. What a great symbol of a bird rising from the ashes. And it's usually portrayed as quite a spectacular creature as well. Aye, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like all of the women who, who come to you. Tell us a little bit about Phoenix. Yeah, actually, you know, they think about this uh, creature, which is like uh, going through the cycle of like growing and almost like disintegration. And so it was very much true for our organization because Phoenix was established in 2007. And uh, actually a few times, Partly like due to the like funding issues, uh, we were almost like forced to close our doors. But somehow it happened that every time when we were almost at the ashes stage, something happened and we kind of like grew again and spread our wings and like flew into new projects. So the name is very, very much true. When you chose the name for your organization, uh, what is it that your organization was going to do? That's also a story in itself, because uh, Phoenix was established by a group of Polish uh, psychologists, psychotherapists, like people who came here as migrants as well, after the extension of the European Union in 2004. So usually we're talking about between 2005 and seven. And uh, when we were here, we actually thought, well, we would like to contribute, you know, to what is here. And uh, we also wanted to use our skills, uh, our education, like things that we could do. And strangely, we couldn't find any like a, appropriate employment. Um, you know, I sent about a hundred like CVs uh, to different posts, like assistant psychologist or like therapist, and so I received maybe like ten replies of, "Well, sorry, but uh, we are not interested." And I knew that was the story of my colleagues as well. So at some point we got together and decided, well, it looks like there are people who need help, people from the, especially from the migrant communities as well. And there is like a gap in service provision. Also, like we need like work. We need actually, want to actually, you know, as I say, like contribute. And that's how we got together and and decided to establish a therapy center initially. Then we actually like added some other projects to it. And at some point, uh, well, we decided to be a charity organization as well. So we got like a proper like board of trustees and we added projects like we've got a toddlers group um, um, or we've got another group um, like 50 plus, active 50 plus. There were also like people who like came here to take care of their grandchildren. But for example, when the grandchildren like grew a bit, like went to school, well, um, those people, and especially women, just found themselves like totally isolated. And uh, we had also, we have like a big uh, project of like mental health ambassadors. So like removing stigma around like mental health, depression, stuff. 
um, we do a lot of work around domestic abuse and domestic abuse awareness, especially. We just need to grow a few additional wings, you know, to carry it all. So, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm sitting in my head going through all the different things that you're doing and thinking, good grief, do these people ever sleep? I mean, it's just... Not much, no. <laughs> it's overrated, honey, it's overrated. I guess um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 almost as if you started with just one little thing and then hmm. your, su your success has led you on to more and more and more and more and mm -hmm. more, which proves that the demand for your services is out there. Oh, demand is huge. Actually, unfortunately, we've got at the moment about one year long waiting list for some projects. And uh, well, with the domestic abuse survivors, it's slightly better because, again, we got uh, slightly more funding recently, but it's still like between a month and a few months, months wait, which is not not really good. But, well, we are doing whatever we can. Say. Yeah. yeah, because you, you're trying to get through to some of the some of the smallest and most marginalized communities that we've got right now, haven't you? Aren't you? Mm. I would say most marginalized, yes. Smallest, well, I'm not sure because although quite a few people left after Brexit, unfortunately, but there is still like uh, many who who stayed and feel that you know Scotland is now their second home. How do people? find out about your services so you you're offering so much but again mm -hmm. it's to communities that maybe don't communicate too terribly well outside of their community their own community so how do they find out about you we do have like website and like facebook accounts like social media and twitter and stuff um however i think in the especially like in the migrant communities quite a lot is done through the word of mouth so it is about actually getting the information out to many people and then actually they are going to pass it further. We also like establish some links with some uh, GP practices and they can like provide information about us. Um, there is Polish consulate involved. Word of mouth is usually the, that proves that you've got a track record in a community. Yeah, I would say that... Uh, yeah, we also like send like newsletters, but that's to people who already, you know, signed up. But, you know, if you just uh, organize events and we also like organize community events, um, for example, at some point, like especially like after COVID, um, we try to marry counseling or personal development with nature walks. And because I'm such a like a walking enthusiast. So we organized some walks and because we advertised them via Eventbrite, it's kind of like the information is available to everyone who is looking. So that's why we also try to reach people who haven't been in, in touch before. I love the idea as well of nature walk or just getting outside. And that makes such a difference, doesn't it? Just... Oh, hugely. Mm -hmm. Even if it's raining, we don't care. <laughs> no, we don't care. You know, umbrellas and yeah, raincoats, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend who ran this sort of similar idea, but she lives in Tucson, Arizona. Mm. And nat nature walks in Tucson, Arizona are completely different to nature walks in Scotland. Lots of water is needed, I suppose. Lots of water. Yeah, that's, she, that's what she points out. The water's on the wrong side of the skin. That's what she says. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in Scotland, you don't have to drink it. It just pours all over mm -hmm. you. I mean, you seem to be running at full tilt. 
I mean, you sound like it's a really busy organization. It is indeed. We've got a therapy team and you know people involved in all the other projects. So I would say that at the moment, um, yeah, we've got more than 10 members of staff plus uh, loads of like volunteers involved and uh, the needs are really extensive. So we are trying to cover as much as we can. And yeah, for that, we need people. Did you think that when you started out, it would be so big? No, definitely not. We were thinking about a medium-sized therapy center, but then, you know, it was like going from, actually, from success to success, yes, but also like from, um, because we do some research in the, what needs are there in the community. So because, it, okay, we have an idea and let's kind of like market it and let's make people buy it. But it's rather like, let's have a look what is needed in our community and how we can build a project and how we can actually try to provide what is needed. So many of the projects started like that. That's incredibly proactive. So you went out to find out what to fix and to fix it. Aye. Yeah, we do from time to time some questionnaires or if we do like evaluation form, uh, we do quite often the thing of... Uh, Act in the evaluation form, putting a question, what other services would you like to um, see in Phoenix? Or what do you see as the main needs in our community at the moment? So we are trying actually to get as much information about it as, as possible, because that's, um, I would say that makes it um, really like viable, just to not to encourage people to you know, buy something or like participate in something that we actually are creating or we might think then well what would be useful for you to live a better life or like to connect to others or so and yeah and you know more heads more ideas so it you know all comes together you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> more heads more ideas and, and more projects to do like mm, because sure. you, yeah um, but it's it works so you've you're very embedded in your community where where are you actually based Currently, we are based in St. Margaret's house. Um, it's in London Road. It's this big house, community of artists, therapists, um, mm -hmm. organizations or charity organizations. It is an incredible place and has community feeling. So that is special. But previously, we were based in first uh, location, St. Stephen's Church in Stockbridge, for it was sold or then it moved, we moved to one of the Polish schools, uh, like Polish Saturday schools with John's Place. Uh, we were also cooperating because we do cooperate with other organizations. So we cooperated with Health All Around. Uh, and also like they were renting us premises just during one of those gaps, difficult periods. So yeah, we, we kind of like moved around Edinburgh. That's another good thing to do, though, because it keeps you grounded. It keeps you close to the communities you're working with. And and you got some uh, funding from the Women's Fund for Scotland. And mm -hmm. was that for a specific purpose that you had in mind? Aye. And it was extremely helpful because actually we received funding twice. And um, in 2017-18, uh, we received um, some funding specifically for um, working with women, women who are like survivors of domestic abuse. And uh, it actually developed beautifully in a, um, into a project because initially it was support group. There, there, there were two support groups. I was actually, actually there were 
before I was running the first two and then like trained someone to uh, actually like uh, take it on. And uh, so there were two support groups for uh, women who, yeah, who just were domestic abuse survivors. And uh, while actually working with them, um, we thought it's not enough to do some support or like therapeutic work, but we also need to take it further, make sure that uh, those women just have somewhere to go. They can actually establish new connections because one of the problems in the Polish community is that domestic abuse is still part of some something like a taboo on one hand and two there is a lot of valuing and a lot of judgment around it and still sometimes well quite often um, the woman is seen as guilty of it probably not doing something and because I know it's shocking but those are the perceptions and it actually results in if somebody, if a woman decides to speak up or report their abuser and so, so, well, she might be isolated, ostracized in the community. So at least in part of the community. So the, so the community actually blames the victim? I Yeah, there was a lot oh. of it. There's still a lot of it. We are trying, that's one of the big things that we are trying to change the perception. And because of that, when we organized those first groups, uh, because now like five years on, I think quite a lot of, of things changed, but initially it was that uh, those women, uh, some of them had nowhere to go to because, for example, all their acquaintances or friends were acquaintances or friends they had together with the abuser and some of them like chose sides and actually decided to support, you know, the abuser. So we had to help them to establish new networks to create new connections because one of the reasons we found that uh, actually women were coming back to the abusers or not reporting things and staying in such relationships were that they felt actually that they have nowhere to go or basically they won't manage, you know, on their own. So that was also like part of our work. And um, at some point there was a very touching and very moving aspect of it, uh, like thing that happened because uh, during one of the sessions during one of the workshops um, uh, some of the well a couple of of uh, our participants just asked well is there something that actually like we can do because we feel worthless we we feel like good for nothing but maybe there is something and we just had a, a session on what we are good at what we can do and there were so many talents in the group so many talents like surfacing that we decided to do something like festival, like a um, weekend event, which was called Women for Women. And it was addressed to the women in the Polish community and ran by the participants of the domestic abuse survivors group. And we're like cake decorating, self-defense workshop and making some soaps and um, some kind of like board games and so that was actually amazing. And I could see like a change in you know, women who ran this event. Those who actually a few months earlier, they were like those like receiving help, but they were kind of like standing on their two legs and just, okay, I can do stuff. I can really, really do stuff. 
So in, in effect, those women were starting to rise like phoenixes. Aye. Yeah, I would say <laughs> that was what was happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And all of that came out of that, that project that you, you did originally? Of the funding, yeah, and of the project that we received for the work with, with the domestic abuse survivors, the first one, uh -huh. uh, because we also received um, an emergency grant um, during the pandemic. Oh, and uh -huh. uh, we used it for providing additional sessions, like counseling sessions for three months. And that was also something which we really appreciate and we really valued because um, basically the situation for some of the women were that, well, they were those who were the most affected by the pandemics mm -hmm. in terms of, like, for example children not going to school they had to take care of children usually and some had to like give up their work because of that for example because child, child couldn't go to nursery or, or school or so also they were treated as some kind of advisor but just kind of like consolation for the whole family and they themselves were struggling they themselves were just fighting this you know, iso feeling of isolation or responsibility, fear. So counselling in that case was, was extremely useful. Oh, how valuable that must have been because all that pressure was going on them internally in the family, but you were providing someone who could speak out, could 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 listen to them. That's, that's that is incredibly, incredibly mm -hmm. valuable. Because it's one of the problems that people have sometimes that they impose solutions on groups without getting to know them very well, but you are actively working with those groups and finding out what it is that they want. You're you're not you're not finger waggy. Do you know what no. I mean? No, no, you're going in and asking and checking. And that that really is the only way you can affect change and help, isn't it? Is working with people like that, not working with groups like that. I would say so. And I think, you know, it's one of the reasons why we exist for so long, because we don't try to tell people what they need. But, but actually, we listen and try to, yeah, just help people with um, what really might, you know, make a difference for them. And um, yeah, you see that that's one of the one of the um, one of the unfortunate traits, character traits of Scots, especially Scottish women. Um, and I'm glad you're you're fighting it off there. Is the fact that we are absolutely terrible for telling everybody what they should be doing. <laughs> Well, you know, I was volunteering and working for Girl Guiding Scotland at some point. So I think I I know what you might be talking about. Times, <laughs> you, know. you know, you know. <laughs> Scotland is full of women who sit on buses yeah. going, well, I just told her. Scotland is full of wonderful women, you know. I really admire, you know, some of the people whom I met and some of my colleagues and, um, yeah, I, I didn't say they weren't wonderful women, Kiro. It's just that they, they can be very, very bossy sometimes. But you, on the other hand, are doing the right thing, which is you are listening to people and reacting and helping and then occasionally stepping in when you have to and, and working alongside people, which I think is a truly wonderful thing, far better than me standing around going, because I, I, I would just talk at them and then wander off. You are there for the long term, aren't you? Yeah, we hope so. And But, you know, it takes all sorts to make a world. And um, there are people who actually are needed to be decisive and actually just to run or manage things or so. Yeah, 
I, no, I don't manage things. No, I just tell people what to do and then just wander <laughs> off, leave the destruction behind me. <laughs> well, I mean, you're so busy and you're so proactive and you've got so many programs running. I'm almost frightened to ask you this question, but what does the future hold for your lovely creation? Well, that is a very good question because uh, it is true that I want to like stay involved in like with Phoenix, mm, yeah, for like, as long as as it gets and run projects. Although I recently like had a you know wee boy last year, he's twelve months at the moment, and I'm also involved in like teaching psychotherapy students our organization but it is the case with many people who are actually working for third sector organization that they are juggling many things and i can see also like benefit in it because then it is like bringing like experience and fresh views different views from like looking at things from different perspectives although i agree it's not it's not easy i guess at the moment uh, for the organization we are trying to, as I said, like grow one more wing, which is the Ukrainian project. And it is a big thing um, because, uh, well, there are many needs and we are trying to do research in the community, which is somehow, it's a bit like repeating to some extent the process that we already did. So mm -hmm. we have this experience and that's why actually we got involved because said, okay, we've got like a similar experience. So now we can use it. And it happens that actually this community also con in, in Scotland also consists mainly of women because yeah. the men are at war. So many people like who came here are women with children and they have like particular needs, uh, which uh, we are trying to, to address and, um, yeah, we have um, at the moment two mental health Ukrainian uh, speaking like mental health workers uh, who are like providing counseling sessions. And so we are trying to um, also like have some of our volunteers register with uh, BACP so they can provide like proper counseling therapy sessions because all people who work for us, uh, we want them to have proper established qualifications like UK's based or UK's recognized qualifications that we know that the, you know, work that we do has a guarantee of like being done properly. And uh, we did some, already some meetings of the Ukrainian community, like those people who were located on the ship, on the MS Victoria, you know, in Lys. And afterwards, when they were like relocated to places, some of them lost touch with one another. And when we called those, uh, we advertised those meetings, well, we thought 30, maybe 50 people is going to come. And my friend called me like two days before the event. We have 175 people who actually registered for the event. Oh, wow. And they came. Oh, wow. That is a big project. Oh, I did. I did worry. I live in Leith. And, and, I, I, and we all in Leith became familiar with seeing Ukrainian women and children. Mm. And I loved them, actually. Um, I loved the children because I was amazed at the speed at which they picked up English, but with a Scottish accent. And off, I, and you'd hear them coming out of the school and they would be, all oh, right, totally, I'm definitely going to be going, blah, 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 blah. and then straight back round to their mum in Ukrainian, and back again going, I'll be playing football today, blah, blah. And I thought... And I, I hate to say this uh, from a completely Scottish perspective, but I was quite selfish thinking, here's lots of little new Scots. <laughs> well, that's how it goes. And, you know, 
I feel that there is this bit with um, relationships uh, that actually they are established at the like most basic levels. There are mm. people in need, and if they are like provided with the like right conditions to settle and grow, and so people are happy and willing to give back and also become part of the of another community. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm desperate. I desperately hope that those families can go home to Ukraine one day. But my big hope, right, and I'm I'm keeping this a secret, but I'm telling you, uh, my big hope is that they will go, they'll be able to go home again, free mm -hmm. and happy and away from that horrible man in Moscow. Um, but we've planted a bit of a seed in these Ukrainian uh, young people that they like you, they'll come back and they'll make my country better. <laughs> yeah. They were wonderful. They were absolutely wonderful. But I did worry when those women and children came off the ship because I thought, where are they going? Because I I know that they'd built a bit of a community on uh, the Victoria. So I'm so mm -hmm. glad to hear that your work is keeping them together because mm -hmm. that, that's so valuable. Because you and you know as as well as I know how isolated people can be when they're all split up like that. But True. It's, it's great to know that you're there. And all of a sudden I have this lovely image of of these uh, of of the Phoenix's wings out all over Scotland looking after all all the people who want to come here and make a home. We actually would need um definitely like still like even like a bigger team, but actually, you know, the funding that you provided for the second series, like the counseling sessions, some of them were done online. So we were able actually to reach out to women who were somewhere in Scotland. And then they're feeling totally isolated because they didn't have a place to go to for counseling or to get support, but they could get support online. And that was one way to help them and connect them and help them basically to survive that period. That is phenomenal. Kira, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go now because you've got this now you didn't tell us the name of of your wee boy. Uh, it's Alistair. Ah, <laughs> oh, what a brilliant Scottish name. <laughs> Indeed. Thank you for coming to live here. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Susan. Yeah, it was a very nice chat. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was a very nice chat, but I want, I want to thank you on behalf of all Scottish people for making Scotland a big bit better. Thank you. Thank you for joining us and listening to this story. I hope you've been inspired. And if you would like to support the Women's Fund for Scotland, search for us online and listen out for our other podcast episodes.